Hello and welcome to Leanne Ward Nutrition, a podcast where you will find expert advice on all things health and nutrition related. Each week, we will discuss my three niche areas of gut health, emotional eating and sustainable fat loss. My hope for this podcast is to cut through the BS online and show you real, practical and evidence-based messages around nutrition so you can live your best life day in and day out. So sit tight, buckle up and let's get started on today's podcast. Welcome back to another podcast on Leanne Ward Nutrition. Today, I am excited to host accredited exercise physiologist and owner and managing director of Swift Movement Academy, Xenia Wood. So Xenia is extremely passionate about helping people move swiftly and pain-free through education, rehabilitation, and empowerment. Xenia specializes in musculoskeletal rehabilitation and in particular excels when working with people who experience pain or who are struggling to see performance improvements in their movement and exercise, both inside and outside of the gym. Xenia's clientele range from world champion bodybuilders and those with lower back pain when lifting right through to mums trying to improve their fitness and daily strength. So Zenny has been my trainer since the start of this year and she is an absolute wealth of knowledge. So I thought that I would bring her on today's podcast for a two-part series around exercise, weight training for seasoned lifters and also beginners and the mistakes you may be making in the gym. So the first podcast will be focused on the top five reasons why you're not building muscle in the gym. Xenia provides us with her expert tips on building lean muscle and why so many people struggle to see the gains that they want. And in the second podcast, which will follow next week, we'll, we'll focus on weight training for beginners and Xenia's top tips to get started with resistance training and also common mistakes she sees and how to fix your lifting technique. So make sure you guys head on over to Xenia's Instagram profile, which is at Swift Movement Academy and give her a follow. We really hope you enjoy today's podcast. And as always, please tag us in your Instagram or Facebook stories so you can share today's podcast with your friends if you enjoyed it. And also, please leave me a positive rating or a review in your podcast app. It really does mean the world to me, guys. So let's jump straight into today's podcast on the top five reasons you're not building muscle in the gym. Welcome, Zenia, to the podcast. It is very exciting to have you on today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. First podcast for me. Um, So very excited. So excited because you have been probably my trainer for what since the beginning of this year? Yeah, I think it was late last year even. I can't yeah. Late, yeah, okay. It's been a long time and you've gotten me some amazing gains. And so I thought that we would bring you on and we would share all of your knowledge and expertise with my tribe as well. Awesome. Very excited. So firstly, I wanted to just ask you a little bit about your career path and just your choices in terms of like why did you choose to become an exercise physiologist and also um, what that even means to some of our listeners at home who may have never heard of that term before. Yeah, so I guess I didn't even know what it was when I enrolled in uni. Um, so I'm not surprised that, you know, it's it's not a very common thing. And I always get, you know, are you a physiotherapist or a physical therapist? Or, you know, are you a PT? And my answer, the short answer is I'm basically the middleman between the two. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess the longer answer to what an exercise physiologist is, is we are uh, rehabilitation specialists and the most qualified health professionals to exercise somebody who has an injury. So 
um, when you're looking at sort of the spectrum, your personal trainers are there for the weight loss, for the building muscle, for all that sort of base level, you know, just general health and fitness for the general gym goer. If you have anything outside of that, if you are, you know, an elite athlete, you're probably wanting to see a sports scientist. Um, and if you are, you know, dealing with some niggles or, you know, really wanting to hone in on your movement efficiency, that's where an exercise physiologist comes in. And um, to answer your other question as to how I got there, um, I was considering between acting and health and fitness as my two career paths and I thought that health was probably the smarter decision (laughs) because of the long-term, I guess, business model, if you could call it that as opposed to being a barista for the rest of my life with an acting degree. So, <laughs> so yeah, I guess I kind of fell into it with uni, um, started out in sports science and then sort of just tacked it into the degree. It was a split path so you can choose the sort of science, uh, the sports science path, which is, you know, working with an elite professional sporting team or you can go down the rehabilitation stream, which is which is where I led and then um, sort of fell in love with musculoskeletal rehab as a specialty. So sort of niggles and aches and pains in the gym, low back pain, ACL rehab is sort of my bread and butter. And then stemming from that, you can't really um, be good at rehabilitation if you don't also understand the performance side of things, because it's just a big progression pathway. Mm -hmm. I find that so fascinating as well, but even people like myself has come to you not having a, a particular injury or being injured or needing rehab as such, but I also feel like you have heavily kept me from being injured as well. You know, you've corrected totally. my form or my technique and all that sort of thing. And I like Touchwood have not had an injury and I can't even remember the last time like I was actually injured, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's that's the big thing too, right? Like it's the prehab and the prevention stuff that gets neglected until you're like, oh, shit, I should have seen someone for that or I didn't yeah. realise my squat or my deadlift was, you know, so bad for so long until you see someone like me and go, okay, right, now we're actually going to make some real gains and real progress with it. Mm, or until you do a really bad injury and then you're like, oh crap, you know, that did hurt for a little while, but I just kept doing it. And now I'm out, you know, for two or three months or something like that. Totally. And, you know, back with sort of going on to the start of my journey, uh, when I was still in uni, I actually, I never got it scanned, but I'm pretty sure I bulged one of my discs in my lower back doing a deadlift incorrectly. So I've been there, I've done it wrong. I have coaches for myself as well. And I think the important thing is that we all have people to sort of lean on and check in with us and go through our technique because you can't see a picture from inside the frame. You have to step out externally and have someone else or something else, at least a camera recording you to check your form. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So what does a typical day in your shoes look like as an exercise physiologist? Well, I mean, today versus sort of three, five years ago, very different. I definitely did the the PT thing of 5am starts, 8pm finishes, sort of there all day, just back-to-back clients. But now that I've found my niche a little bit more and have my clients, I feel I'm very privileged to be in this position that, I mean, I've earned it, but you know, to have worked to a position where I can dictate my hours a little bit more. So um, depending on the day of the week, I do have a couple of like big days, um, sort of like 5.30 a.m. till 7 p.m. where I'm at the gym. Uh, Always fit a workout in 
during the day as well because the last thing you want to do when you work in a gym is to go back to the gym when you finish your work. Um, But, yeah, so I either do like a morning block for like eight hours or an afternoon block for eight hours and then outside of that I'll be at home doing my sort of boring admin stuff and programming and checking in with clients. Mm -hmm. So what do the bulk of clients come to you for? Is it more that rehab or that injury um, management? Yeah, I guess initially. So the most common thing would probably, and it's changing, um, which is a good thing, but initially it was sort of, I get low back pain when I squat or when I deadlift or when I run or whatnot, um, or knee pain or shoulder pain, regardless, it's, it's sort of, they, they come initially for that. And then they stay for the Mm -hmm. fact that, you know, I'm not just the rehab person, but I can push them through to their performance, keep them from being injured again, and just really get them to whatever that end goal is. Cause I, I love working on that rehab side of things, but the big kicker for me is seeing someone two years later and going, heck yeah, like you've crushed it in life and you're now moving pain-free and you're now, you know, like I have a 50-ish year old client who's um, female and she was so scared of the gym and lifting weights and now she like deadlifts like 40 kilos and she's back squatting with a barbell and her hip pain's pretty much gone and um, she's just got so much more in her life in terms of you know just the way she walks she's dropped like 10 kilos she's built some muscle mass it just that sort of gives me the goosebumps and is sort of the trajectory that I like to take clients awesome and I'm sure that just like me you get a lot of clients who come to you and like I just want a six-pack or I just want to get lean or I just want to build muscle I'm sure that you get those sorts of clients as well totally I probably not as many as as you'd think because of the um, the specialty that I have, like I kind of am pretty open and put out there, like I'm not here to be your weight loss coach. Like I'm not here to be your cheerleader. I'm not going to be that PT who just goes, woo, come on, like three more reps. Um, <laughs> you would know my counting is horrific. <laughs> so I'm not a rep counter. I'm a technique corrector. Um, and yeah, like a movement coach, I guess. So it, that's, if that answers your question. Yeah. But it is something that a lot of people, even particularly whether or not they have an injury are are really interested in, isn't it? Building some lean muscle mass and getting that sort of like lean toned look, particularly females. Totally. And you know, that's, that's always like coincides. Like it's, you don't come to the gym or come to me just to get pain free. I'm always asking what's next. What are we doing Mm -hmm. after that? You know, like if being pain free is the goal, you need, you have a, your goal is needs to be reset because that can never be the end goal. Like pain-free for me is a very like base level like goal. And you want to live your life above that. You want to be pushing and striving for the next thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even people, I guess some people can't see past that if they've had such a chronic injury or whatnot that's giving them that chronic pain. But we always want to look for, for what's next. And a lot of that um, I guess, particularly with the way I train does come to, you know, building muscle mass and dropping body fat as well. And they just want to have a healthy longevity with their life and their strength. Love it. So I thought that today we might frame out our chat around, um, the top five reasons why you're not able to build muscle in the gym. Because I think a lot, I get a lot of women in particular asking me these questions. Like I've been weight training for years now. I'm just not able to put on muscle mass. Like what am I doing wrong? So I thought you being such a wonderful expert, I would love to go through, I guess your top five reasons that you see 
um, why people aren't able to build muscle effectively. Is that all right with you? Totally. Let's do it. All right. Hit me. What's your first reason? Why might somebody not be able to build muscle in the gym? Okay. So I think the first one, and this is probably more targeted at the women, um, is that you're not lifting heavy enough. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women in particular will, you know, either because they're afraid of going into the weights because big boys are scared, seem scary um, or, you know, it's just you're not sure what to do. But a lot of women will stick to, you know, that like 1 to 10 kilo dumbbell set and they sort of stay there and they're happy there and they'll – they're not pushing themselves to that nth degree. And there's so many times when I'm like, all right, let's go through a set and, and, you know, do your shoulder raises or whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do, and then how many, they're like, how many reps? And I'm like, until I, I see that you're getting to failure. And so they pick, you know, say four, three kilos or something. They do 10 and they're like, cool, done my reps. And I'm like, no, 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 you've got like at least another seven reps left in you. So I think that's really, really important to hit home that progressive overload includes increasing the weight that you're lifting. You can add sets by doing that. You can add um, reps by doing that. You can add load. There's heaps of different ways to do it, but you have to be pushing yourself to or near failure to be able to actually stimulate the muscle growth. Mm -hmm. So it's a combination of the increasing weight, but also the increasing or decreasing of the rep range as well. Because I know so many women who just train within that, I'll do 10 to 15 sort of rep range and they never drop it right down. And they're sort of always sticking within that, as you said, that one to 10 kilo barbell sort of rack. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, obviously if you want more endurance, you're going to go slightly um, lighter, slightly more reps. And if you want strength, you're going to go uh, less reps, more rest, but it'll be heavier in weight. But I think for, for that muscle building, there's a lot of research on anything between sort of 12 and 20 repetitions is a, is the sweet spot, but those 12 to 20 or even eight to 20 have to be pushing you really close to your limit with that, with that muscle group that you're targeting. Mm, Cause you always say to me, like, if you're getting, if you program in 15 reps for me and I get to that 15th and I could maybe get at one more or two and you like go up a weight and go down to sort of like, just try to get at least 13. So it's never mm. like you finish your 15th and you're like, yep, sweet. Next. It's kind of like that 15th is the biggest struggle to get out. Totally. And even like, it doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be every session, but you need to be pushing that stimulus, um, in terms of progressive overload, because that's how we build muscle. And if you're staying with, you know, your booty bands and your glute kip, kickbacks, and you've been doing the same weight forever, you are not creating any more growth. Mm -hmm. You almost need to break the muscle down in terms in 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 the way to build it back up again. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So tip number one is that you're not lifting heavy enough. So what would you say that your second tip would be in terms of why women aren't building muscle? I would say that exercise selection is one of the big things. So the exercises that you're choosing need to be targeting a variety of muscle groups and the way that they're programmed as well. So I think, you know, just looking at sort of walking into a general gym, you'll see um, the ladies doing like a lot of shoulder work because shoulder definition seems to be a big thing and then glute work because everyone loves a booty. Um, so there's lots of hip thrusts yeah. and there's lots of shoulder raises, but there's not a lot of squats. There's not a lot of deadlifts. There's not a lot of push press, pull-ups, things that are multi-joint exercises. So when I say multi-joint, um, that means more than one joint is moving. So to simplify that, bicep curl is single joint because the only thing that 
um, you're moving around is the elbow. Whereas if you do a squat, you're bending at the hips and the knees. So both of those are going to play a role in that. And therefore you have more muscles that are working in that one exercise to be able to maximize those results. Mm -hmm. So those big like compound movements and those big compound lifts. Totally. Yeah. Although they sound scary. And I, for so long, I came to you because I was like, I need to improve my deadlift. I was like, I can't deadlift off the floor and I can't deadlift without feeling like I'm I'm pulling it in my back. And that was Uh. the initial reason that I came to you was to improve my deadlift. And I've stuck around because I'm like, I just feel like I can do every exercise so well. And none of these exercises scare me anymore. Like I can whack, you know, 60 kilos on my squats or do a 50 kilo deadlift and that doesn't scare me anymore because I have that correct form and I know that just these simple you know four or five compound things each each time I train each week like the pull up and the the bench press and that sort of thing as long as I'm sticking to those big compound lifts I'm getting in a great workout and I don't need to necessarily worry too much about all those little accessory ones as well totally the other thing with that too is time right like if you're going to spend time doing every single muscle group you're gonna be there Mm. forever like yeah you know like biceps triceps chest back shoulders like front delt middle delt back delt like there's so many different muscles and to isolate them all you're going to be in the gym for like an hour and a half minimum and we all want to maximize our time in the gym so that we can get out of there and do what we actually love um and you know not that the gym isn't a love but you know you want to spend time with your friends and your family you don't want to be spending you know after work and like an hour or two hours just going through every isolated muscle group or missing some because you go, oh, I'll do my shoulders, but you haven't done any compound movements. Mm-hmm. So what would be your, if somebody was sort of about to overhaul their training regime because they, they realized from listening to this podcast that they're not really getting any sort of gains and they've been training for, you know, six months, a year, two years now, what would be your top say two, three, four, five big compound movements that they should be doing every single week? Okay. So I would definitely say squats and deadlifts or variations of. So you could front squat, you could back squat, you could safety bar squat, you could goblet squat. But I think a squat has to be in there. Um, And then a deadlift or a hip hinging movement. So if you're not comfortable with deadlifts, you can do RDLs, which is basically half depth, which is what I train if people don't have the correct spinal stability to be able to hold the right position because hip hinging is really important, especially to um, avoid any sort of back pain as well. So squats and and some sort of hip hinge variation would be um, probably go to. Then I'd add to that some sort of lunge as well. So for lower body, you'd have your squats, deadlifts, lunges, then upper body has to be push and a pull. So a push up or a bench press and then um, massive fan of pull-ups as well. So they'd be my top five. And I'd like to start my workouts with those big compound movements. Can you, cause you can imagine if you did, you know, all your sets of bicep curls and you're like, okay, you now know you need to go near to near failure. So you've done all that and you're near failure with your biceps and then you go do pull-ups yeah you're gonna struggle really hard so start your training session with one of those five exercises it's not necessarily um you know the most variety that you're going to get in your training but it's that consistency same with your nutrition i'm sure you could attest to like it doesn't have to be fancy food every single day something different Mm -hmm. but it does have to be something that you can stick to and that we know is proven to get you those results 
Hmm. It's like you think about your big compound lifts in terms of building muscle and you think about when you're eating nutrition, like it doesn't matter like what goes on top, but you've got to start with the base of vegetables or salad. You've got to have a portion of carbs in there to fuel your training. You've got to have adequate hydration and then whack whatever protein, fats, et cetera, on top of that. But you've got to start with that base of adequate hydration and, and fluid and that sort of thing and vegetables. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. All right. So number two is um, choosing the right exercise and doing those big sort of compound movements. What would your third tip be? Third thing I'd say would be people who do what is colloquially known as bro splits, um, which is where we train one muscle group each day of the week and that's it. So Monday's your chest day, Tuesday's your um, shoulder day, Wednesday's your back day, Thursday's what else? Usually it's always upper body and then everyone saves legs to Friday, usually if you're a dude, but the girls are probably like legs every second day. <laughs> so, <laughs> and booty so, <laughs> and abs. Yeah, yeah legs and abs, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, but I think the my next tip is training each muscle group multiple times in the week. So frequency is massive when it, ter- when it comes to um, building muscle mass and and having, you know, lean toned muscle, if that's what you want to call it, which is really just muscle mass. Um, because yeah, that once a week, you're not getting enough stimulus comes back to sort of the the first thing we talked about about not going heavy enough. You also want to hit it a couple times that week, because if you train, you know, shoulders on a Monday and then your shoulders are feeling fine by sort of Wednesday, Thursday, you want to be hitting them again then. Because otherwise you've got to wait an extra like like a full seven days until you get back to that same muscle group. And we know that growth is determined by the frequency as well. So, um, you know, I have some guys who do whole body five days a week because it just sort of suits them a little bit better to be slightly less fatigued every day and not be like hobbling out of the gym because they've done legs the whole session. Um, and if you look at some of the most muscular athletes, you're looking at weightlifters and they squat five times a week, you know, so they're doing multi-joint movements. The frequency is high and they're probably dipping into that fatigue a couple times as well. So, you know, we don't need to be weightlifters and, and lifting that heavy or, or going, you know, crazy with it and going from one day, one squat day to five. But if you're increasing that frequency to two, maybe three times a week, that's going to be a really good starting point for people who are wanting to build a bit more muscle in the gym and not seeing those results. Mm -hmm. Without needing to spend, as you said, like three hours every single day, seven days a week in the gym, you don't need to overtrain, do you? And I think there's probably a fine line between training appropriately and that sort of like overtraining as well, which I'm sure you see some people doing. hundred percent. I had a client recently who, um, I was away on holiday um, and he trialed sort of CrossFit style training, nothing against it, but um, he's a laborer by trade and was training in the morning and working labor intensively for 10 hours and then training at night. And I'm like, dude, like you're just going to break down. You can't sustain that. You can't eat enough to maintain the muscle that's required and your recovery is going to be horrendous. Mm. So that brings me probably into the next tip that we're probably going to discuss. So, so far we've got the top five reasons why you're not building muscle. One is that you're not lifting heavy enough. Two is that you're not choosing the appropriate exercises. And three is that you're not training um, your muscle groups um, frequently enough. Correct. And tip number four. Yeah. So um, 
I mean, this is definitely dabbling into the nutrition side of things, which I completely stay out of um, because I'm a specialist in exercise and this is where I refer on to you. Um, but <laughs> eating to fuel your training, I think, is mm-hmm. really, really important. Um, and I'm sure you've talked about this multiple times, but if you don't have, and particularly protein, right, if you don't have enough protein, your body isn't going to be able to pr- to produce and build the muscle required. So that's probably, you know, as complex as we need to get with it, but Mm. it it comes into sort of, you know, people talk about like fasted training versus non-fasted training. And um, there's been some research that said, and I don't know, you might have a little bit more insight on this, but there has been some research that said that cardio fasted versus non-fasted is practically no different if your caloric intake for the day is the same, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and same same with weights, and I'd almost argue even more important because when you're doing your fasted cardio, it's probably at like a morning walk or something. Like it's very low intensity. But if you're going into the gym having not eaten anything, then you're not able to sustain the intensity or the the loads in those really short bursts of lifting that heavy weight, which we're now going to be doing, um, to be able to push your weights up and continue to progress. 100%. I always say to my clients, and this is just a tip for our listeners at home, if it's anything that's low intensity, if you can do it and hold a conversation with someone else, if you're going to do like just a walk or even just like a long, slow jog, like even if you're a seasoned runner and you're just pumping out five or 10K and that's easy to you, 100% you can do that fasted. If you're not actually looking for results, if you're just doing it to get some steps in or just doing it to do an exercise class or move your body, then that's 100% okay to do fasted. But where you're looking for results or where you're looking to drive um, like PBs, like hit a, hit a new weight or um, lift a bit heavier or run a bit faster or squat a bit heavier, you really need to do that with some fuel on board. So any sort of intensity session or any session where you're looking for progress within that session, it needs to have carbohydrate on board. It's the easiest fuel source for your body to use. And you've always seen me like sprinting into the gym because I'm always late with you, like chowing down a banana or having like a date or something like that. And the amount of times I've come to you and I'm like, oh, I've just like, haven't eaten all day, but I like made sure I got some like bananas and like a couple of dates in or something because I've just been so busy that I'm like, I didn't have breakfast. Like I fasted unintentionally, but I've, you know, always make sure I have some sort of carb on board before I come to you because I know you're just going to hammer me. Or sometimes I think I think there was one time you're like, I had a couple of jelly beans. I just needed something. Yeah. Like, I had a, a killer python or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's an easy oh. tip for our listeners at home. And you're not necessarily going to burn more fat. I think the big misconception with a lot of people at home is thinking that if they're doing this fasted cardio, they're going to burn more fat. It's not necessarily true because weight training or any sort of hit or high intensity training, you get that afterburn more. So your body's going to burn calories even after you finish training. Whereas when you're doing some sort of like long, slow, steady state cardio. Yes, you may be in your body's sort of fat burning state, but the minute that you stop that cardio, your body basically doesn't really burn too much more after that. So there are benefits either way, but I'm such a fan of doing, it's completely fine to do cardio fasted if it's as long as it's low intensity, but anything that requires intensity, even things like an F45 session, a CrossFit session, any sort of weight session, resistance training, or even if it's a cardio session, but you're pushing for a result, like you're running 5k, but you're trying to hit a a personal best, you know, that requires Uh, fuel on board. Your body needs a bit more fuel to go a bit faster, to live a bit, to lift a bit heavier, to run a bit faster. So that's probably just the easy takeaway from this is if you're pushing for results, you need to do it with some sort of carb on board. 100%. Yeah. And again, a lot of people I see, I get a lot of messages from women who say, you know, I have a protein shake before my F45 class. 
Like why? Like why make your body work harder to tap into that fuel source? Like glucose is or carbs are the easiest fuel source for the body to use. So don't have fat before your workout. I hear people eating almonds or something before they go to CrossFit. Like, you know, like your body, it doesn't need to be fat adapted to use fat for your workout. Just put some carbs in before your workout. Your body is going to use it so much easier and you're going to get such more benefit um, from your workout as well. 100%. Cool. So number four was you are not eating enough to fuel your training, which probably brings us into our fifth tip, which is around cardio, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I think when when your goal is specifically to build more muscle, um, a lot of people I see, you know, you're still wanting to do a little bit of your cardio, whether that's just part of your routine or you're training for something. Um, but I think when people are doing too much cardio, it's going to kill your gains. Or mm-hmm. if you're doing that cardio immediately before your weight training session. So you see a lot of people who'll be on the treadmill for like half an hour and then they go and do their weights. I would definitely be reversing that or even doing them on separate days if you can. So, you know, you can you can be fatigued for a low intensity cardio session and and be a bit puffed from your weights but if you've already done that and then you go to step into the gym, you've you're not just warmed up anymore. You've actually sort of tipped into that area where your body's now, you know, pre-fatigued. So mm-hmm. cardio does kill your gains if you're doing too much of it. There's definite research on this. And if that is your primary goal, we want to make sure that your weight stuff is starting without having cardio immediately before it, which Probably also brings me to the point of, of warm-ups for training sessions because I see most people um, are going to go into the gym and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do a warm-up, I'm going to do 10 minutes on the treadmill. And I'm like, okay, you're going to be like warm, but is that specific to the activity that you're about to do? Are you putting your body into ranges that you're about to reproduce under load and have you pre-engaged not fatigued but just warmed up specific muscle groups that you're about to hit I think that's really really important and um, that's one of the things that I'm I have all my clients do they have like a sort of 10 minute pre-warm-up routine that has specific mobility drills and then some activation drills on the muscles we're about to train 100%. And that's a really great tip that I learned from you because I was that girl, um, even just many years ago, but up until, you know, recently, like within a year or so, where I would always just jump on the treadmill just for like 15, 20 minutes. And I'd just walk steady pace or jump on the cross trainer and I'd answer like emails and reply to Instagram DMs while I was, you know, hashtag warming up. And then I'd go to my workout. I'm like, oh man, I've already been at the gym for 20 minutes. Even just your motivation wears down as well. But now I get in there. The first thing I do is I put my headphones in and pump some music and I do that, you know, sort of five, 10 minutes of just range of motion warming up. So I might start with like push-ups on my knees and we do the, um, the bird dogs and that sort of thing. Like we do a whole range of just trying to warm up the muscle group that Mm. we're actually using. And I don't even go near the treadmill or the cross trainer anymore. Like I do very, very limited cardio unless I sort of use cardio as my mental health and my de-stress. Like if I feel like I'm a little bit stressed, I'll go out for a walk, but that's sort of Mm. completely separate to, I don't do a full leg session and then spend an hour on the treadmill and I don't go do my shoulder workout then spend an hour on the cross trainer. Mm. So that's something that I've learned um, very much so from training with you as well, is that if you're training appropriately and if your nutrition's on point, you actually don't need to really do much cardio at all. Yeah. 
Totally. And I think, you know, it depends on where you're at. Like if you're, um, if you've got more body fat than, than you're happy with or is, you know, appropriate for your size, then you're totally wanting to get some of that in as well. But if you're just looking to, I guess, tap into a little bit more muscle mass, but your body fat is in a healthy range, then you're probably doing a little, doing a little bit more weights and less cardio is going to benefit you immensely. Awesome. So they are the five top reasons why you may not be building muscle in the gym. So let's just recap on them quickly. Number one was that you're not lifting heavy enough. You're not putting your, you're not giving your body enough stimulus. Number two was that you're not choosing the right exercises. So really trying to prioritize those big compound movements. Number three is that um, you only train each muscle group once a week. So you need more frequency and more load. Number four was that you're not eating enough to fuel your training. So we talked about training fasted versus not fasted. And number five was that you may potentially be doing too much cardio or you're doing cardio before your weight session and you're really cutting into your gains. You're fatiguing yourself before you even step into your weight session. Yep. Anything else that you would like to add for our listeners at home? It was one thing you mentioned before, but I just can't think of it. That's right. I think that's a pretty good starting place anyway. And obviously the need to see an expert as well. I mean, we've all got coaches. You're my coach. You've got your own, you've got your own coach, your own trainer as well. You've got someone looking after your nutrition as well. I mean, every coach needs a coach. And I think that's probably the biggest misconception with social media, even things like YouTube, Google these days, like the information is at our fingertips, Mm. but sometimes we can't see what is right under our nose. Yep. Totally. There's so many people who are like, Oh yeah, I looked on YouTube and I did this and I did that. And I, all I need to do is spend like one session with someone and they're like so much information like literal mind blown um because they're like holy crap I had no idea that I was even doing those things because again you can't Mm -hmm. see yourself so you know I think that's really really important that you have those people that you can um, go to for professional support and that are going to just keep you in check whether it's to stay injury free get a new PB or um, get rid of any sort of injury that you currently have while still continuing to achieve the goals that you have. Mm -hmm. I actually just thought of one really good question. I thought our listeners at home might be interested in, in terms of like functional warmups, what are your favorite sort of exercises for upper body and lower body? Totally. So, um, for upper body, I have this one that's uh, specifically for lower traps and shoulders where you're basically laying face down and you place your arms in like a W beside you. So your palms are facing the ground and your forehead's on the ground. And I'm pretty sure I got you to do this one right at the start because lower traps are really important. Like the muscles that I try to target are not just like a little bit of chest, a little bit of back, a little bit of shoulders, but the muscles that we're underutilizing, particularly when, you know, it, it may not be pain, but it might be a little bit dysfunction. Like you've got a funky left shoulder and so (laughs) making sure that we can sort of set you in a good start position and sort of give your body Mm -hmm. a little reset is really important so yeah your face down um forehead on the ground in a w position with your elbows tucked in by your sides and then keeping your hands and elbows off the ground so you're going to sort of squeeze your shoulder blades back and together and then reach your hands over your head to touch above your head like you're doing a shoulder press and then coming back down and going through that without touching the floor. I usually like to do two sets of 12 of all of these. So that's probably one of my go-to shoulder moves. 
I really also like combination exercises. So you can get a whole host of things in one go. So there, I like to make sure that there's a little bit of spinal rotation and extension and um, a little bit of glute, a little bit of hamstring mobility and combining these. So what I mean by that is I'll often do like a really long lunge, place both hands flat on the floor inside the front knee and then rotating one hand at a time up to the ceiling. So you're sort of rotating your upper back, looking up to the sky, and then you place that hand down and repeat on the other side as what I call a thoracic lunge. And then going into something like an inchworm. So basically starting in a plank on your hands on the ground and then keeping your hands still, walking your feet up towards your hands with straight legs. So you'll start to feel um, a fairly good stretch through your hamstrings and just coming as high as you can and then walking your hands out. So you're getting a little bit of shoulder stability and shoulder support in something like that too and really bracing through that. There may be, you know, depending on the day, a, a glute exercise like a single leg glute bridge um, and, and a core brace. I think bracing is something that's uh, often overlooked as well. We do a lot of like crunching movements and things like that, but we don't often just hold and brace, which is a lot more um, functional, a lot more important when it comes to our, our weights training, particularly with those compound lifts. You need to be able to brace to do a deadlift, but you don't need to be able to do a sit-up. So that's probably a little bit overload. But, yeah, I guess to recap, some sort of mm-hmm. like um, hamstring mobility, uh, thoracic mobility. So that's your middle of your back doing some rotation through there. Um, something for shoulders. Sometimes I'll do some little like mini pull-ups where you're not bending your elbows and you're just sort of setting your shoulders down and then relaxing them just to teach people that that's how they need to initiate the movement as well, as opposed to a lot of people sort of go with their traps or their neck. Um, and yeah, it's quite individualized, but they're all based on maybe two upper, one thoracic, two lower. Mm-hmm. And then what, say you were doing like a, a lower body day, would you recommend just some like body weight squats and some like air jumps, that sort of thing, just to get that sort of lower body warmed up or not so important? Um, no, definitely needs to be some specific lower body stuff. Depending on how much mobility somebody has, I'll either get them to do like an astrograph squat and then some rotations in that position. So you put your hands, sort of grab the insides of your feet and then rotate up similar to the thoracic lunge or holding onto a pole if you don't have the mobility to be able to do that and then doing the same thing, some rotations through that. But it's always good to practice the movements that you're about to do without load and then slowly progressively add load. So if you've got your three sets of 12 or whatever, I would always be doing one set before that at a lighter weight or even no weight just to sort of feel it and make sure that you remember the cues that your coach has told you, like screw your feet into the ground and chest up or whatever they are um, to make sure that you're ready to get into those positions because if the first time you're getting into that position is under load, you've probably missed the boat with your warm up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Couldn't agree more. Alrighty. That was an amazing 
top five tips that you've given our listeners today or top five reasons why they're potentially not building muscle in the gym. And if they're sort of sitting at home listening and they're thinking, you know, I do all those things or I've tried all those things, perhaps it is time to engage a an expert and a professional and somebody to write more of that individualized plan for you. Because although how amazing your tips are, there is just no um, replacement for having an individualized plan, is there? A hundred percent. And I mean, that's why I've, you know, got online clients as well. And I think it's really cool because I still like to work predominantly one-on-one. Um, you know, I do have things that are offered offered to groups, but I think that like I basically do, and I don't even know how many other people are doing it. I've probably given away my secret here, but <laughs> I, um, I do virtual sessions. So you basically just get your, your phone and chuck your wireless headphones on and you can be at your gym literally anywhere in the world and we book a time and I'm there literally watching your squats and ones that'll be from the side, ones that'll be from the back and I'm in your ears as if I was standing next to you calling out, you know, what you need to do technique-wise. So um, there are totally options if you're rural or, you know, there may not be someone who you're happy with in your area. There's totally options now to us to be able to engage an expert. Definitely. So really no excuses because technology has come so far these days and you've showed me how you do your online virtual consults as well, which is, I think is really, really cool as well. So where can somebody reach out to you, find you? Um, if they're say in America and they're like, this chick is amazing, which you are, and she is guys at home. Um, <laughs> where can they reach out to you and potentially enlist in either a one-on-one if they're in Brisbane or a virtual consult with you if they're somewhere else in the world? Yeah. So all my stuff online is under my business, which is Swift Movement Academy. Academy. So you'll find me on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram, and um, my website is swiftmovementacademy.com.au or .com. I think I've got both domains. So everything's all the same, which is nice and easy. Um, and I would love to help out anyone who hasn't, even if you just have a question, guys, like this doesn't have, it doesn't have to, I don't have to become your trainer, but I really sort of do this for the love of helping people and particularly women who are, you know, unsure of lifting. I I love to work in that space because I think that there is such room for women to grow into confidence through weights training. And I think that, you know, even I think we were having a conversation the other day, Lee, that, um, you know, you used to be scared or shy to go into the weight section because there were like all these big guys in there. And now you're like, nah, this is my bench. You can freaking wait. Like I'm here, I'm taking up space. I am doing my session. This is my area. So like, that's really cool. And I think like, I've just got goosebumps, but I, yeah, I think that's the thing that like, you know, when you see a woman transition out of that, like timid, um, timid girl and grow into a woman and go you know what like I'm doing this for me and I'm going to build strength and just going for it that's that's awesome 100% and then touching on that you mentioned like if someone's a bit scared or timid we're going to do a second podcast so keep watching or keep listening guys the podcast will be released um, the next weekend we're going to do one on top tips for beginners to get started with weight training and what to do if you feel like you're not lifting properly or you've got some like you can kind of feel like you've got some errors in your lifts and he's going to coach us through that as well so that will be in a second podcast that we record today was really around people who are already kind of lifting and, and doing some weights but perhaps not getting the 
hashtag gains that they would like. <laughs> so we're going to do another podcast more so for beginners or people transitioning maybe out of, you know, home-based workouts or just sort of getting into the gym or just sort of starting to lift some weight, um, but not really having that much confidence. We're going to do a great um, second podcast around that. So thank you so much today, Xenia, for joining us. And um, you guys can go check her out at Swift Movement Academy. And she's on Instagram at the same handle as well. So make sure you head on over and go and give Xenia a follow. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. And we'll catch you guys in the next podcast.